0: The 34th regular meeting in the Memphis City Council will now come to order. Clark Kernobies, please call the roll. Council Bears. Present. Vice President
1: Present. Council Knight. Present. Council
0: Marks. Present. Council Morrell. Present. Council
2: Scarpelli. Present.
3: President
0: Felt. Present. All seven members are present at this point in time and ask everyone to please rise to salute the flag. I pledge allegiance to, to the flag, flag of the United States, States of America. America.
4: The to two the republic, republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible,
0: with liberty and justice for all. all. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions in the Open Meeting Law, General Law Chapter 38, Section 18, and the Governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting in the Memphis City Council will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible specific information and general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen and or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Method or Method Community Media website an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. To, re, uh, to participate remotely outside of Zoom, please email the City Clerk, Adam Hurtubise at A-H-U-R-T-U-B-I-S-E at medford-ma.gov. On the motion of-
5: Mr. President. Councilor Marks. um, Move suspension of the rules to take
0: paper 20-648 out of order. Second. On the motion of Councilor Marks, seconded by Councilor Knight to uh, suspend the rules to take 20-648 out of order. Clerk Herterbees, please call the roll.
3: Councilor Bears, Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Council Marks? Yes. Council Morrell? Yes. Council Scarpelli?
0: Yes.
3: President Falco?
0: Yes. Some of the affirmative's are in the negative. The rules are suspended to take 20648. That was offered by Council Marks. And this was to receive an update on municipal aggregation.
5: Thank, thank Councilor you, Marks. Mr. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I put this on the agenda, uh, Mr. President. It's been some time now since uh, this council has approved uh, municipal aggregation um you know i've received uh, a number of calls uh, from residents that are pleased with the aggregation and other residents that are questioning why their bills are so high so i thought it was only appropriate now uh, that uh, we revisit the program uh, see how the program is running mr president see if there's anything needed maybe to update uh, residents of this community or if there's anything we can do as a community to improve the program. So uh, I believe we have Alicia Hunt on the phone. Yes, she is. Uh, uh, on the uh, Zoom. Uh, so at this time, Mr. President, I will yield to Alicia.
0: Yes, we have Alicia Hunt with us. Yeah, I've made her a co-host. Tonight, Alicia, you have been made a, a co-host sprint. and you should be able to share your screen. And we thank you for
6: being with us tonight. Good evening. Thank you for asking for the presentation for the update this evening. And I am now sharing. Screen and hitting. Sandwich. Okay, so I believe that you're now seeing the presentation yes. on your screen. So thank you very much for having us this evening and asking for this update. I have with me this evening Donna Rourke, our consultant from Good Energy. He's on the line as well, and Jay Braga from. Green Energy Consumer Alliance that provides the additional green energy for this aggregation in case there are questions that are better suited for one of them to answer. Um, and I did ask John to help put the presentation together with these numbers. So when this program launched in December 2019, there were 19,500 accounts eligible. As you know, we did the opt-out letters and on the, the launch, 14,600 were automatically enrolled, indicating about 25% chose to opt out of the program before ever beginning. Uh, So that you're aware, you may have been hearing from people who are new to the community in particular about this in the last month, and periodically once a year, they do what's called sweep, which is where they say, what are all the new accounts that are in Medford and National Grid that are eligible for this? It can also be accounts that were on their own secondary suppliers that are now back on basic service. Those accounts, about 3,100 of them, got letters in October about the program. They'll have the the option to opt out now, or they will be automatically enrolled as well. So that's the exact same letter that everybody else got last winter. Uh, Over the course of this, from month to month, people move in, they move out, They enroll. They choose to enroll, as you've heard, there are people who are choosing to enter, there are people who are choosing to opt out over the course of it. Over the course of the past 10 months, we've had a low of 12,400 people enrolled, households, and a high of 15,900 enrolled. We also have, that is with 5% extra renewable energy. People can opt down to the 0%. We've had between 85 and 100 at any given time at the 0% level, and they can opt up to 100% renewable energy, and we've had between 65 and 80 households <laughs> in that. So the numbers, so our supplier is Dynergy. That's the name. It shows up as Dynergy Medford Ag on People's Bills. That's this program. This is running through December 2022. Over the course of the program from last December to now, the on average per, per account, they have actually lost $4, not per month over the entire 10 months. The current rate, our rate over the entire time, it never changes, is 11.507 cents per kilowatt hour. The current national grid rate this that just started in November is 12.388 cents so if you were to ask for this presentation in April I can guarantee that people will on average see a savings because everybody enrolled in the program right now will be saving money between now and April the rates will again change next April and this graph basically shows that the green line is the cost to everybody who is in the 100% renewable the blue line Is the people who are in our default program the local green the gray line is the cost to everybody enrolled in the basic service and the yellow line shows the national grid rate over the each month and so we are actually right about here in November people have just started to get their November bills if they're on basic service the rate has gone back up do over 12 cents a kilowatt hour Um, and if they're on our service their rate is staying steady at the 11 cents Um, so one of the main reasons for one of the reasons for doing this besides price stability was adding extra renewable energy into people's um, into what we as a community are buying in massachusetts so so far to date medford residents have account for 3,671,000 extra kilowatt hours. So it's 253 kilowatt hours per account, but it's 3,600 megawatts for the entire community for the course of the program so far. Um, And to remind you, we buy renewable energy certificates. This is a Massachusetts New England local green so everything all the renewable energy bought through this is local aggregations typically start around five percent as we did and i will tell you that brooklyn brookline and newton are outliers brookline started at 30 percent extra renewable energy and newton at 46. Um, what we expect to contribute to the grid over the course of a year is the equivalent to a 1,000 homes doing 100% renewable energy. Uh, This is where the renewable energy is coming from, and I can make these slides available if anybody wants to look at them more closely. Um, The other thing that I thought was worthy of showing you was actually who's doing aggregation in Massachusetts and who's doing green aggregation. So on this slide, all the communities that are brown are doing municipal aggregation with no extra renewable energy. All the ones that are green of any shade are doing municipal aggregation with some amount of extra green. And you can see those very dark green colors here, communities that are doing a lot of extra renewable. Uh, We're down in here. And the ones that are in blue are actually communities that are in the process starting up an aggregation, but it isn't complete yet. They're somewhere in the regulatory process, but they have not um, actually started their program. Um, that is what I prepared for you this evening. And then John and Jama and I are here available to answer questions. <coughs> oh, sure.
0: Mr.
5: President.
6: Thank you uh, for the presentation. Consular Marks.
5: Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank Alicia for her presentation that was uh, very helpful. I would ask that you know while this program goes forward that uh, we receive quarterly updates. I, I think that would be extremely helpful. Uh, Alicia, my my question to you is um, just so we're comparing apples with apples. Um, I'm trying to compare uh, someone that opted out of the program that stayed on National Grid uh, compared to if they were to go onto the program. For the same period of time, with die Energy, and you're saying to me uh, the average difference right over uh, a period of time is four cents. How is the demo? Good.
6: Sorry, that's not me unmuted. Um, the um, average is four dollars. If they, so the average resident over the course of the ten months has not saved. I guess you would say has paid four dollars more than if they had not been on the program.
5: Okay, so, so that's an Over average. full time. So, so that's an average. So naturally there are some residents that paid less than $4 um, and some that paid more than four. Do we know how much more than four?
6: So it, it would depend significantly on whether they spent, they used mm-hmm. a lot of their electricity during the summer or whether they use their their electricity in the fall or winter if they used it in the fall or spring like last spring before April then they would have saved more Um, it's because and you know what maybe I should just show this graph again if uh, I think that this graph is the most helpful So we are here um, in this point of time. So you can see that in this window, so January, February, March, April, everybody enrolled in the aggregation they did good amount of money because they paid this blue line instead of at this yellow line. Oops, and then over the summer, national woods rate was in fact lower than our aggregation. So people were paying more if they were on the aggregation than they were with National Grid. And what we, when we look at them, how the, it worked, balanced out over the course of the year, uh, this works out to being having paid $4 more as of right now in November. Right now we know going forward, they will pay less than if they're on National Grid. So I would strongly advise people stay on it now, right now this winter, you are saving money this winter. What we cannot guarantee is this chart ends April 2021. That's because that is when National Grid's rate changes again. And most likely it will drop. We don't know how much it will drop. Depends on the market.
5: So, so j- just fill me in because it's, it's been some time, Alicia. Um, if I opted out of the program and um, someone that's currently in the program wants to go back and forth how easy is it to go back and forth, opt in and opt out of the program?
6: So by policy, you're allowed to leave at any time. What you're not allowed to do by policy is to leave the pop program, come back in in April, like stay in now, leave in April, come back in November and to map it. Whether you would get kicked out of the program, that's not, they're not monitoring accounts that closely. However, if there was suddenly 50% of Medford's accounts dropped in November, or dropped in April, and then tried to re-enroll in November, the company would contact us and say, we think you're in violation of your contract terms. Okay. Because it would imply that we were coaching people to leave and to come back in, right. and to basically do that churn. If an individual did it, nobody is going to be monitoring it that closely to, to find um, so people could leave. They can choose to leave at any time. In theory, they would be able to re-enroll, but I can't guarantee that Dynergy would not just block their account saying, you can't just come, come and go when the rates are most appealing to you.
5: Right. So, so from what you're telling me, uh, that was going to be my other question. As a community, we're not allowed to advise our residents as you just stated. You said, "Geez, if everyone's in the program now, I would ask you to stay in the program because uh, the uh, the contractors' rates are going to be far better than National Grid's rates." So what you did was just advise people to stay in, and you're saying that's something that we really shouldn't be doing as a
6: community. Well, what I can't do is tell them to leave in April, come back in November. That would be not, uh, that would be against our terms. we were saying this it's okay everybody it's time to leave okay it's time to rejoin i am just saying that right now people should look at these differences and see that they're saving money for the next six months
5: right so so how would one when you say look at these differences i realize you're showing us the presentation now Um, how would one know this um, to actually uh, take advantage
6: if they if so we have a website medfordcea.org it's medford community energy aggregation.org and on it on the main page we actually post national grid's rate at any given time so they don't have to go hunting for it they can go to our site and it is linked off of the city's energy and environment site the municipal aggregation page
5: Right. But do we provide a chart similar to this?
6: No, we just say here's what the national grid rate is right now. Right. So if you had gone to that page over the summer, it would have told you that national grid's rate was lower than our rate.
5: So, so do you think we would be in violation if we were to share this particular graph with residents?
6: I think this is fine because this is also speaking to what has happened in the past,
5: right? Uh, And the the reason why I say it is, and and the reason why I think it's important to give quarterly updates is that uh, we have consultants that are working on this. And why not be able to benefit from their knowledge uh, to spread that out to the community to allow them to make an informed decision whether they want to come and go from a program. And I can appreciate the fact that our numbers are based on enrollment, right? Because if the numbers drop too low, we're we're probably not going to get the same rate, correct? So our rate
6: is locked in until December 2022. That will not change even if people should leave the aggregation. Right. Um, it would cause us trouble if we then tried to reap in December of 20, if when we were getting ready for that time to get a new contract. And we had had people leaving and joining. We might have a very hard time getting a new contract, getting a new rate, a favorable rate.
5: Right. So, so for the time being, I didn't know we were uh, locked in until 2022. Uh, and it doesn't matter, uh, enrollment doesn't matter for that period of time. Which, which is great news for us, um, because there's no bottom line on that. Um, so uh, my, my question again is, why, why aren't we promoting uh, this as a program to show when the best time to get on and off the program is? And you're, you're saying we can't do that legally?
6: Um, I might ask um, John O'Rourke, who is our counsel, uh, our advisor from Good Energy, to actually speak to the, the contract terms. He also works with a lot of different communities, so he can tell us. So why don't I have him actually answer that? And I will stop sharing the
7: Thank you, Alicia, and uh, thank you, Counselors, for allowing us to come before you tonight. Uh, certainly. Um, what what we try to do in these programs is to get maximum participation and to have people stay in the program for the whole term everyone uh, in the program is free to get out of the program whenever they want without terminal or without the penalty or termination fee they can come back into the program Uh, if the supplier sees that uh, people are coming back and forth gaming the system so to speak Uh, they have a choice of not allowing them to come back in if that happens too much Uh, but essentially we don't find that happens Um, uh, we find that once people get into the program they want to stay in the program and in in the um, medford aggregation the most important um, point of this aggregation is the fact that the residents have put an extra 3.6 million kilowatt hours of renewable energy into the grid um, for a total of four dollars each which comes out to a little more than a penny a day so essentially what they're doing for the environment for a penny a day is absolutely outstanding
5: so so when you say that number how, how does that compare to prior to, uh, aggregation. Cause, cause anyone could have opted for green options prior to aggregation, correct? I, I didn't quite question councilor. So, so you, you mentioned uh, 3.6 million, correct? That's correct. And that's with, uh, you said addition three additional 3.6 million with aggregation prior to aggregation. Where were we as a community community? Do we know those numbers? Well, essentially before aggregation, everybody was on the
7: basic service of a national grid. Uh, certainly this 3.6 million is a, additional during that 10 month period, starting in, uh, in January of this year and ending in October. So that is a substantial amount of extra uh, renewable energy. And I think uh, that, that Jema, do you want to
5: chime in here? I, I, just if I could, so so prior to municipal aggregation, I'm under the impression that people were allowed to get additional green energy if they opted to. So before municipal energy came into aggregation came into the community, there were people buying green energy. Is that not correct? Yes, people um, have a choice to go out
7: on their own and to buy green energy. And we don't would, know, we don't know what that figure was this volume of green energy without an aggregation.
5: Okay, and we don't know what that figure was then in our community.
6: That's Um, why we're asking Jema, because um, most people would have um, done it through Green Energy Consumer Alliance, formerly known as Mass Energy Consumer Alliance. So we were just asking her if she actually knew how many Medford residents (coughs) were enrolled with them before the aggregation or what their annual uh, green energy buy was.
8: Yeah, so, hello, good evening. Um, I'm Jamie from Green Energy Consumers Alliance. Um, so, before the aggregation program started, we had about, um, I believe it was 120 um, members in Medford who were doing 100% green um, with the program. Um, so, again, that's 100% green, we have the options for 25% or
2: 100%.
8: Um. So for those, uh, you can tell that now with the aggregation, now there's less. It's about 75 people that have decided to be in the 100% option. So they both have an additional charge for for the bills. So through Green Energy Consumers Alliance um, right now, the charge is going to be uh, 3.2 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, For the city of Medford, the aggregation contract works that we look at the term of the contract and we see what the market is doing. And so with, uh, for the whole community for Medford, um, you're actually at um, 3.3 cents per kilowatt hour, which is a little bit higher because you're buying larger volume when, when the market is much higher. Right now, if you go into the open market, you're going to have to be paying about 4.2 cents per kilowatt hour. So you're still getting a discount compared to the market.
5: All right.
8: Um, so,
5: so Mr. President, I'd like to make a motion at this point that um, the city uh, interact with uh, our ratepayers mm-hmm. and our city provide uh, you know information relative to uh, like we see in the chart tonight relative to uh, where the market is and where the rates are over a given span of time so people are allowed to make informed decisions mr. president. Uh, so I would ask that that be part of uh, the website. And part of any type of outreach, I, I have yet to see any outreach uh, since December 2019. It's not to say it hasn't happened, but I've yet to see any outreach uh, letting the community know where we stand with municipal aggregation. This was a very uh, large endeavor when we instituted this. And um, you know I, I find it ironic that Uh, You know, you need a buy-in into the program, right? They're saying, "Well, look how many of these people signed up for the program." But you know, this was an opt—you had to opt out of the program, so everyone was automatically opt into into the program. So, if it wasn't for the legislation that allowed for that, Mr. President, the numbers may not be this large. So, I I think the program started off with uh, you know the ability to uh, have everyone automatically enrolled and then those that wanted to get out of it, uh, which is a little different than the way I would personally handle it. But uh, that's how the state legislature decided uh, to implement this program. Uh, But I would ask that as a community, Mr. President, that we we do uh, a better job uh, notifying residents uh, where we stand uh, from quarter to quarter or or maybe six month period. Whatever Alicia feels uh, would be uh, beneficial to our residents so they can make informed decisions uh, when they wanna opt in and opt out. And um, the, other, the other point, Mr. President, is if, if if when this contract does end in 2022, that maybe they can put uh, an ending period where they stop providing that information, maybe three or six months prior to the end of the contract because you don't want the volatility. I, I can see that with people coming in and out of it towards the end of the contract. So I would offer that in the form of a motion, uh, Mr. President. It doesn't seem to me that that would be a violation of the contract, just updating our residents uh, and alerting them when the best time to be on municipal aggregation uh, in the interest of their pocketbook. Um, Also, Mr. President, if I could, uh, the residents that I heard from, uh, I I didn't see any of their bills, but some of the information I was receiving uh, was not $4 for the course of Uh, their bills, it was far more than that that they were paying. And I didn't do a a real deep dive into it, but uh, some of them were hundreds of dollars that they feel that they were paying more with this new municipal aggregation compared to last year. And there could be a change in maybe they did use more air conditioning. I don't know, I didn't do a deep dive, but there were many residents that did reach out, uh, because I was vocal with municipal aggregation, uh, asking why their bill was that much higher. Uh, and it wasn't $4, it was a lot more than $4. Thank but,
0: you, Councilor
6: Marks. You. <clears throat> On the motion of Councilor Marks, actually. Um, Councilor, if you don't mind, we actually, we heard from a lot of residents as well, and we could perhaps provide some information now that would be beneficial to everybody. I I think John would like to share some of that or, or I could. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, uh, thank you, Alicia. Uh, Councilor Marks, at at any time, any of your residents have questions on the bills, they can email them to me and I'll be glad to explain it to them. Uh, A lot of times, um, residents don't know why they're paying more money in a particular month. A lot of times it's because they've used a little more electricity, but I'm, I'm always available to answer questions from anyone who has a question on their bill.
5: John, can you provide us with your contact information?
7: It's at the uh, end of these slides.
6: Um, I will, I could put it in the chat for, uh, for now. Um, I will tell you that also my office received a number of inquiries and we've also asked residents to um, send us their slides, Or sorry, their bills. And we are also able to look at them and give them uh, advice on their energy bills and just help them understand a lot of people honestly didn't really realize how much of a difference being home all summer would make their energy bills and as an aside their water bills which um, we've actually counseled a number of people on That their usage in both electricity and water has gone up dramatically this summer compared to previous years.
0: Uh, John.
7: Alicia. If I, could, if I could add another point to that, uh, many times we look at residents' bills and they think they're part of the aggregation, but they're not part of the aggregation. They're with a third party supplier who has really bumped up their rate uh, to a, a horrendous level. So we find a lot of that, especially with the older residents, uh, they should never give out their account number over the phone. You know, frequently what will happen is that they'll get a phone call. Somebody will say to them, you know, I think you will qualify for this particular discount program. All we need to know is your account number. And if that person gives out their account number, they'll never hear from that, that, that salesperson again, but their account gets switched over. So very often, people who think they're in the aggregation are really not. And that's why we want to see their bills.
0: Thank you. So, uh, okay, so uh, thank you very much. Um, on the motion by Councilor Marks, Clerk Hardeeves, can you read back the motion? Just make sure we have it well, there's,
3: correctly. There's, there's two amendments. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's one amendment from Councilor Marks requesting quarterly updates on the program. And there's a second amendment uh, from council marks requesting that the city interact with rate payers and that the city provide information relative to where the market is and where the rates are so that people can, so that people can make an informed decision.
5: By way of that graph that was presented to us, that was extremely helpful. I mean, it's somewhat easy to look at and and make a determination.
0: In actually, would it be possible to forward a copy of that presentation to the council?
6: I'm happy
0: to. Thank you very much. I'll do that after. Okay, so we have a number of counselors that have questions about this. Council Marks, you're all set. I am
5: all set, thank okay, you. Okay,
0: thank you very much. The clerk has your amendments. Uh let's see up next we have uh councillor beers and scott Scottelli, then Councillor Morel. Councillor Beers.
1: Thank you, Mr President. Um thank you uh, to our presenters as well. Um to me I think this shows the the success of the program. I think the first thing it shows is that most people uh, just pay their electric bill. And in this sense, um, we are getting a significant benefit of renewable energy for obviously it's an average, but for an average of a pretty low cost um, of $4 over 10 months. Um, you know, even with this added level of cost of $4, um, we're getting an environmental benefit that, you know, if you multiplied the kilowatt hours by the environmental cost of fossil fuels, I think we'd find that number to be very high compared to $4. Um, I'm also impressed, if you looked at that chart, the initial national grid rate for this, you know, the first four months of this period was almost as much as what uh, residents would get under the 100% renewable rate um, that is offered by the city through the aggregation program. So I think that bodes well for the future and the future of renewable energy. Um, My one question is, would it be possible, uh, and obviously I know we're under contract till 2022, but looking at um, a future contract would it be possible to add an additional renewable energy uh, rate such as like 25 percent renewable or 50 percent renewable um, and and did you explore that for this contract and yeah. that's directed at uh, alicia
6: so that is possible um, it's possible to change the five percent renewable to another number a lot of communities have increased that to 10 percent as a base number in their second round it is possible to add another tier into the program. We thought about it very very seriously, but we were concerned about it being confusing and how confusing the program would be. So for the first round in this community, we tried to make the options as straightforward as possible.
1: I appreciate that, and I think, you know, that's a good point here too. We're offering more choices than we've offered before and offering options to residents that, you know, to make those informed decisions. But I do wanna just note from the data you presented, most people are going with the default. Um, And that was true before, when the rates were jumping around every few months, and that's true now with the more consistent aggregation. Um, And I think what we can do collectively, as this shows, is uh, more powerful than what any of us can do individually. So I hope that we can continue to support this program and uh, make it even more successful in the future. Thank you, Mr. President.
0: Thank you, Council Affairs Council Oscar uh,
9: Thank you, Mr. President and Lee Sharon. Uh, thank you very much for all your hard work. I don't know how you run two city major departments and still have a time to do anything else. So um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, what I do have is I know that one of the questions I had were the people that um, were opt- opting, uh, they were already purchasing their own kilowatts. And we can see the benefits with uh, what the impact is, you know, through our through our uh, community, how important it is, and but I, I think that is there a way that we can educate those people, like Mr. O'Rourke said, that a lot of these people that I've talked to, I've asked them to look at their bill, and I think that they might have purchased Zoom Energy, for instance, and their year uh, expired, and then it goes up back up to um, National, Grid, National Grid's um, kilowatt. Price, So I think that's what, is there a possible way to just add, put something on our site to also uh, educate the people that um, have purchased on kilowatts through a, a third party? That's one thing. And the second thing is, is there an option or how is the process? Is it, if you are purchasing your electricity from a third party or you, you negotiated yourself, and that contract, what you've seen, as I'm talking to some people, is that they're letting it, they're forgetting that it's it's expiring. Does that could that automatically be picked up by the energy aggregation process, or is there a, is there a time in between that, like sort of a grace period?
6: Thank you very much. The um, so people who were on a secondary supplier, as you mentioned, and they expire off of it they do get what the term is called swept once a year. So the 3,100 residents who are getting letters right now about the op, the aggregation and the opt-out, that includes anybody who came off of a secondary supplier and went back to the national grid okay. default rate. Okay,
9: so, and, and I think Mr. O'Rourke made a good point. I think that educating all of people in our community, and I think that might help us land more people that were purchasing their own kilowatt uh energy that you know this is in They're then you know added on to national grids energy is there something that we how we can is it something we could put yep. on our site to educate them i think that's important because sure. you know the benefit is a lower price but these are the issues and concerns that if they're not thorough with this that they're going to you know you could save you could save money for 12 months And then all of a sudden realize you're not you're not now you're paying the top fee and uh top and you you, all the money you saved you've lost so there might be you know a way to capture some some um some support with that with residents that are opting out
6: right and we do try to do outreach periodically through different mechanisms basically warning people about what John explained a few minutes ago about the people who call, who knock on your door, who ask to see your electric rates. I tend to monitor the social media sites next door and Facebook for people talking about things like this, provide information. From time to time, we've put articles in the paper. I have to admit that off the top of my head, I cannot tell you if we've done one of those in the last 10 months. I've done a lot of outreach in the last 10 months, but I couldn't tell you if during the pandemic we did outreach around electricity suppliers and scams although i think that we did um, what we did do is outreach about um both medford runs on green energy uh, we attempted to do a local and green business walkthrough in place of our regular energy festival um, green energy consumer alliance partners with us on that festival every year and they partnered with us this year to do some outreach around the aggregation. It was more subtle than that. The outreach was learn about the aggregation and they did a webinar, the webinar we then had replayed on Medford cable network, cable and um, we had yard signs put out about Medford runs on green energy and directed people to a website so they could learn more. And what they learned about was the Medford aggregation. That was aimed towards letting people know about this opportunity to opt up to 100% green energy. We also last winter in December and January put together a series of videos about the aggregation. So it's one long video, it's me being interviewed by a resident, it's 30 minutes long, and then there are a series of couple of minute clips about the aggregation. All of that's available on the Um, Medford cable TV site we shared it on Facebook the intention was to keep sharing it periodically on Facebook but I have to tell you that the the pandemic sucked up all the airwaves all the bandwidth I think that there is it is a great idea now to start doing outreach again about the aggregation and we do have these materials these videos that we can use that explain it Um, explain all the different aspects of it uh that would be really great material to be getting out there um but it it really wasn't a priority for us in terms of outreach I just have to say that over the course of this past summer um thank so, you. but yes but thank you and we'll
2: thank get you. some more material out there thank you Councilor Scott Kelly. Council of RL. thank you Mr. President um yeah if I could through the chair just want to say thank you to Alicia uh Jema and John this is really helpful to get an update and see the impact that this is making uh Councilor Bears uh took the question i was going to ask about the percentages so i just want to confirm that those percentages can only be set at the time of when the contract is set they can't be adjusted at any other time that is correct and also um, i
6: misspoke on the url uh it's medfordcea.com so is the uh and I if I the could take
7: if i could take that question uh essentially we can go all the way to bid day when we go out to bid to, to make um, a decision on that percentage uh, on the, so it can happen right at bid day. That's the way we uh, we put our cut. We put the flexible language in our contracts enabled. So it, we're enabled to do it that way.
2: Okay, I'm sorry. So we would or we wouldn't be able to, you know, if it was so decided revisit this percentage um, before the 2022 renewal?
7: Well, certainly you can you can visit it before, but you have until the bid day, the actual bid for the electricity to make a final decision on the percentage that you want, whether it be 5% or 10% or some other percentage.
2: Okay, okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Councilor Morel. And uh, once again, that website is Medfordcea.com, is that correct, Alicia? Okay. Yes. Any other questions from the council? Okay, do you have any other questions from people that are online here? I don't see any hands up. Okay. Okay. Uh, Alicia, John, thank you very much for all your hard work. Thank you for the presentation on the motion of Councilor Marks as amended by Councilor Marks twice. Am I correct? Seconded by, Second, Vice President Caviello. Clark Hernebees, please call the roll.
3: Council yes. Bears. Yes. Vice President Caviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morel, Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes. 78 farmers during the negative, the motion passes. Councilor Knight. On the motion of Council Knight, uh, 20647, offered by Councilor Scarpelli, Councilor Marks, and Vice President Carviello, be resolved that the City Council request a presence from Chief Buckley and Chief Gilberti to discuss public safety concerns dealing with our 911 system at our next scheduled meeting. Councilor Knight. President, I
10: believe a sponsor.
0: Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Would you like to speak with oh. us?
5: Yes, I'll
0: start off,
9: yep. Thank, you. Thank you, Mr. President, um, again, this is uh, a concern that was brought to my attention. Uh, unfortunately, there was um, an email that was sent by the administration um, explaining some concerns that we have. I, uh, I just want, uh, the, 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 it, basically what it is, is having the uh, chief of police and chief of fire to come explain to the council Uh, That there are some 911 concerns, and um, if that's if something that's really putting our community in serious jeopardy and some serious concerns, I think that uh, we need to hear from them directly to make sure that we know what's going on. Because I, I, you know, I talked to I talked as well as my council. I think we talked to hundreds of people, and I, I haven't. This is the first time I've heard that there's been a concern. So I, I think that just having them give us a, a brief update and what they're seeing as a serious concern to our community, um, you know, I, I find like I said, I find it disturbing that the council's finding this out now that there's something, because if something's going on and we're finding out about it now and not being apprised of it, I think it's, 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 you know, bothersome. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. <coughs> Councilor Marks.
5: Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank my colleagues for putting this on. As uh, Councilor Scott Pelly mentioned, uh, November 19th, this Memphis City Council received an email from the Mayor outlining uh, her concern uh, regarding the Council tabling uh, her paper, uh, which was a $740,000 supplemental uh, to this year's budget, uh, which added uh, several positions and some other odd items, Mr. President. Uh, within this year's budget. Uh, The council did have some questions uh, regarding some of the positions. We asked for job descriptions and we also asked that uh, we uh, address an issue that, uh, a long standing issue this council has been talking about uh, regarding uh, hiring of the election coordinator position to assist uh, in the clerk's office with uh, running these very important elections. Um, Since then, Mr. President, we received this email on November 19th. Uh, because the paper was tabled, um, and uh, the mayor within the paper mentioned that this 911 position for supervisor uh, is an emergency. And as my colleague, uh, Counselor Scarpelli mentioned, uh, that uh, actually raised my eyebrows, Mr. President, because I have yet to hear anything about an emergency taking place at our 911 center the mayor went on to state that uh, she met just recently with the the dispatchers, members of the fire and police departments, and both uh, chiefs uh, of the police and fire, as well as Lieutenant Rudolph, who we heard uh, make a presentation a couple weeks back uh, regarding, I guess he is uh, the oversight now of uh, the dispatchers. Um, So, you know, based on the mayor's letter, She mentions uh, the position as an emergency. She stated in the letter that it's a critical need uh, for the operation of uh, public safety. Um, And um, I I think it's only appropriate that uh, we as a council are aware if there is a critical need with 911, which is vital uh, to the function and safety of our residents, that uh, we should be at least privy to what's going on, Mr. President. Um, it also mentioned that uh, the mayor is bringing in uh, someone to assist with uh, the development uh, of a unified training manual, rules, policies, procedures, and chain of command uh, protocol. Now this operation for 911 with civilians has been in place for a year and a half. If a unified training manual does not exist. If rules, policies and procedures and command protocol doesn't exist for a year and a half, Maybe there is a serious problem, Mr. President, that we should be made aware of. So that really uh, alarms me, Mr. President. Uh, I think this resolution is calling to get information regarding what's happening. Uh, When this was presented, the $740,000 to address several positions, of which one was uh, the supervisor of uh, the 911 Center, there was never one iota, not one mention of this grave of a concern in the 911 center of an emergency. Not one mention, Mr. President. Maybe my other colleagues heard it. I didn't hear any mention of that. I also had a conversation, Mr. President. I picked up the phone. I reached out to the union representative for the dispatches. Officer Harold McGilvery. He's also the union representative for the Patrolman's Association. And I asked him point blank, are you aware of any emergency that's taking place right now for public safety within 911? And he stated to me, Mr. President, and he could speak for his own. He's very eloquent. He said, I am unaware of any public safety emergency happening currently at the 911 center. So that flies in the face uh, with the November 19th email we received. Unless that email is nothing but a scare tactic to get us to vote for a paper that in my opinion was flawed, Mr. President. And didn't address some of the concerns that we as a council had. So um, I hope we get some answers, Mr. President, from uh, the two chiefs uh, next week. I'd like to hear what's going on. Maybe this may require, because we're talking about sensitive Public safety information, maybe an executive session next week, who knows? But uh, we have to be prepared if that's the case. Because I refuse to sit here and hear once again that we can't discuss concerns of public safety like we did a, a, you know, a month ago regarding a breach of information from city and school employees where private information was taken, Mr. President, and that we couldn't discuss it as a council. We couldn't go into executive session, we couldn't find out anything about this information. And I'm not going to sit around and, and, and sit back, Mr. President, when I'm hearing from the mayor that there's an emergency within 911 uh, call center. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councilor Marks. Vice President Carbiella.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, um, I had the opportunity to, to speak with uh, Chief Gilberti. Uh, on this, also, uh, along with uh, Officer, uh, Officer McGivory, and I didn't get the uh, sense of any emergency happening either. So, uh, if there, there is an emergency, I agree with Council Marks. Um, by all means, I mean, we should know immediately there's an emergency happened. Not, you know, not, not say, if there was an emergency, if it was, if it was such a big emergency, I don't know why we're not dealing with it tonight and, and waiting another week if, so, if it's so, if it's so grave. So, as I said, I, I, uh, that's the reason that this is out
1: there, and I support my other counselors uh, on this.
0: Thank you, Vice President Caviello. Councilor Pierce.
1: Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you to my colleagues for bringing this forward. I think it's disappointing that we're having gamesmanship played right now around this issue. I, re- I really do. Um, we all support this position. I don't think that's in question here. I think we all support most everything that's in the paper that was presented to us a couple of weeks ago. I don't think that's the issue. We also all support having the elections coordinator and the position that we need to make sure that we have functional elections and especially in this new environment with mail voting and early voting and all the other things that are happening with elections. It just takes more, we need it, and that's been made clear. In addition to what we're talking about with the 911 dispatcher, we also got a paper out of the blue that says that this could affect our taxation for the next year and affect our bottom line for the budget. I mean, the easiest way to address this is for a paper to come back next week that has the elections coordinator, has the 911 supervisor, and gets all of this approved and appropriated before December, this apparent deadline that we've heard from now from the administration, according to the finance director. It just doesn't make sense to me to sit on this. I think we're all in agreement on 98% of this. Some of it's a little give and take, you know. I. Uh, got some comments I think when I was elected and before I was elected that we're gonna need to compromise and have a unity and integrity and we're not just gonna be able to stick our you know feet in the ground and and not get stuff done this is an easy one for everyone and it, it baffles me Mr. President it baffles me why we're not moving forward on something that we basically agree on and now we're hearing at the last hour it's an emergency it's you know gonna affect our taxes for years. I wish I'd known that six months ago, I wish I'd known that a month ago, I wish I'd known that two weeks ago. Um, again, it just baffles me. Thank you, Mr. President.
0: Thank you, Consul Affairs. Council night. Knight.
10: Um, yes, Mr. President, I just ask that um, Lieutenant Rudolph be invited to the meeting as well. I thought he did a great job when it came down to explaining the need for the position. Um, he talked a lot about cost savings measures in terms of internal training and the like. I thought his presentation was great. Um, I thought his presentation was far better than the emails that I received over the course of the week since uh, that presentation closed, Mr. President. Um, this is a position I support. I think it's a position we all support, um, and I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, there's a couple ways we can go about this. We can go about carving this piece right out if that's the case. If it's such a public safety emergency, they can carve this piece out of the paper that's before us and on the table and present it to us separately, individually. Um, when we think about the paper that's before us for $740,000 and you look at it, 200000 of those dollars is money for a facilities operations account and 300000 of those dollars that the fund union contracts. Um, so that's more than three quarters of the paper, um that are made up by f- of funds that aren't funding positions but uh, funding things, Mr. President. Um, not people but things. So um, with that being said, I certainly understand uh, the need to get this done uh, before we set the tax rate and um, I certainly feel as though um, there is room for compromise. Um, I think that the Chief of Staff made a you know a decent attempt at it but without the buy-in from um, his boss it was very difficult for him to commit to it Um, and I certainly would support moving forward in that regard where uh, we reduce the facilities management account by $100,000 and um, set that money aside to fund an elections coordinator position Um, I also said last meeting um, that I'm not too crazy about Robin Peter to pay Paul and that you know the administrative assessor the facilities management positions are positions that we've asked for this council's requested in the past and we're getting something we're looking for um so with that being said mr president i certainly um would move forward and support the resolution to have a meeting discussing the public safety concerns down there um, but i'd ask that lieutenant rudolph be invited to attend as well because he gave such a great presentation last time that i don't want that to get lost Absolutely.
0: Uh, thank you council and i to, to, uh if i may to the uh councils that offered the resolution do you want a committee the whole meeting or do you want the regular meeting do you want them to appear Regularly,
9: Okay. Again, again, regular meeting, but, and I could appreciate, uh, officer Rudolph, but I think it's imperative that our leaders, our chiefs are here on zoom. I think it's important that, you know, we, we, you know, if there is contradictory, we need to hear from, you know, the, you know, the, the leaders of, uh, two of the most
1: important departments in our community. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Council Scott Pelly, council appears.
1: And I would appreciate that update. I would, i personally would prefer next week that we resolve this i'm not i'm not opposed to getting the update but i think that you know next week we should have a paper on this agenda that would allow us to resolve this uh, to the satisfaction of all parties involved thank you
0: thank you council beers the clerk has a question for councillor knight
3: Knight, council your request for your request to invite lieutenant rudolph is that amendment to the paper
10: um, well, the paper says to invite the two chiefs of police and I'd like to add him. So that's making that So, that So i add it as an amendment.
3: So I'll add it as an amendment. Thank you.
10: But um, oh, to really? Councilor Baez's point, um, if in fact, you know, we have the paper, the, the paper's been tabled, right? That's
11: correct. You are correct.
0: Okay. Okay. Councilor
12: Knight,
0: are you all said, or? Oh, okay, just make sure. Okay. Are there any questions on this, any uh, comments or questions on this paper? Yes,
5: Mr. President. Got marks. If, if we are gonna invite Lieutenant Rudolph, I would ask that uh, the union representative be invited as well. Okay. That represents the dispatches. And that would be uh, Officer Harold McGilvery. You
0: can do that? Sounds good. Thank you.
1: And Mr. President. Got some um, My point, I know that's something, You know, we have the paper currently tabled on this agenda my understanding is we can't amend uh, the proposal from the mayor. So the mayor would have to submit a new paper reflecting the, are the agreements or, or at least hopeful agreements of all parties involved. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councilor Bears. On the motion of Council Scarpelli, Councilor Marks and Vice President Carviello, as amended by Councilor Knight and seconded by- Second. of Bears. Clerk Herdebes, please call the roll.
5: And further amended by myself, Mr. President. Oh, I,
0: I apologize. Further amended by Councilor Marks. Council of Marks, who's your amendment?
5: Was to invite the union representative yes. who if represents the, the, rep- the, yes. the dispatches.
0: On that motion, Clerk Herdebes, please call the roll.
3: Council Yes. Vice President Carabiello? Yes. Councilor Knight? Yes. Councilor Marks? Yes. Councilor Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco?
0: Yes. Seven of the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. On the motion of Vice President Caviello to revert back to the regular order of business? Second. Seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Clerk Kurtibies, please call the roll.
3: to Revert to the regular order of business. Com- correct. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes. Seven of the affirmatives. and the negative, the motion passes. At this point in time, we will now revert back to the regular order of business. Motions, orders, and resolutions 20 644, offered by Vice President Carviello and Council Knight, be resolved that the Medford City Council congratulate. Congresswoman Catherine Clark on her recent election as assistant speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Vice President Cavielle
4: Thank you, Mr. President. President I'm uh, very proud that my, uh, my friend uh, and colleague Catherine Clark has been uh, elected to as assistant speaker of the House of, Massachusetts, uh, me, of, the House of Representatives. Uh, I've, I've known uh, Congresswoman Clark many uh, many years now since she's been elected. Um, she's done an outstanding job in her role, and um, I. And I'm not surprised with her, uh, her rise uh, in, in the Democratic Party. And uh, hopefully, uh, down the line, uh, she'll be speaker of the House someday. And, um, and take on the role similar to uh, uh, former speaker from Massachusetts, Tip O'Neill, where uh, we were able to bring parties together. So uh, congratulations to her. And uh, I know she'll do a great job in,
10: in bringing everybody together. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Vice President Carviello, call
10: Right. all night. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. I echo my colleague's statements and sentiments. Um, to understand how important this is to the city of Medford and the region is amazing. Um, to have our, our congressperson as the assistant speaker of the house um, means that we're going to have direct access um, to a variety of funds and resources that uh, the federal government is able to provide, and we're going to be able to do uh, do so through Congressperson because we all understand how important uh, seniority and leadership roles play in the United States House of Representatives. Um, so with that being said it's very good to see catherine clark uh, be nominated to such a position uh, she earned it on her merits uh, she's done a great job since she's been elected um, replacing senator markey at the time i believe right um, and uh, since that time she's done an excellent job so uh, with that being said mr president i uh, echo my my council of colleagues uh, sentiments and i move for approval of the paper
2: thank you councillor knight we have uh, councillor morrell thank you mr president i just want to thank my council colleagues for bringing this forth um to echo what they've said, you know, Congresswoman Clark has shown profound leadership and this um, new position is really just a reflection of the leadership she's always shown. Um, I think she's nothing but a, uh, I think we all have experience. She's nothing but a gracious, kind, hardworking representative of this community. Um, and this leadership position is a real boon to everyone in Medford um, and her district. Um, and also just another woman in political leadership, representation matters. So happy to see it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Godfather.
1: Thank you, Mr. President, just to add to the kind words of my colleagues. I um, want to congratulate Congresswoman Clark, um, who I believe is the only woman other than Nancy Pelosi to hold a position this high in the House of Representatives ever under any party which I think is a, is a profound accomplishment. and. Congresswoman Clark is also a a progressive champion, and she's putting forward a people's agenda um, that's gonna lift up families and communities and help us recover from this pandemic. I think the HEROES Act and the, uh, which we've all been hoping would get through uh, some piece of it for the past several months is really an indication of where we need to go as a society in terms of uh, really bringing money to cities and towns, to invest in communities, to get back to, and not just back, but to get to somewhere better than we were before. And I appreciate the Tip O'Neill reference. In addition to bringing parties together, I hope we can bring some big federal money to Massachusetts and fix some of the big problems we have. So congratulations. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Council of Bears. Anyone else like to speak on this? Okay. No hands raised. Okay, perfect. Uh, We'd like to thank um, Congresswoman Clark for her leadership and wish her luck and her continued success. On the motion of Vice President Carviello and Council Knight, seconded by Council of Bears. Clerk Hernebees, please call the roll.
3: Council of Bears.
10: Yes. Vice President Mr. Carviello. President, before the vote's called. Uh, um, Councilor um, Knight. If we could um, send correspondence to the congressperson uh, recognizing her, that we um, recognize her achievement.
0: Yes, we can do that. On the motion of Vice President Carviello and Council of Knight as amended by Councilor Knight and seconded by Councilor Bears. Please call the roll.
3: Councilor Bears? Yes. Vice President Carviello? Yes. Councilor Knight? Yes. Councilor Marks? Yes. Councilor Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco? Yes.
0: Seven, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. 20 645, offered by Vice President Carviello. Be resolved that the Medford City Council and the Medford Police provide information to the community on the three level sex offenders that are being housed in a metric Rehabilitation Center that is a resi- that is in a residential neighborhood. Vice President Caviello.
4: Thank you, Mr. President. I'm, I'm very uh, upset with this, uh, that we have this in our community. Um, and though um, I w- uh, at 5 o'clock tonight, we received a letter from uh, the mayor uh, saying that one of the residents uh, is no longer living there. Uh, but, we- but one of the biggest things uh, that disturbed me, that I had to find out about this at 6.30 in the morning through an online newspaper. And, and I think that was the most troubling fact to me, that uh, I didn't know about this. Uh, this happening it's right down the street from my house. Uh, on the route where kids uh, go to high school, they, they walk to church. Uh, it's uh, it's just amazing how this happened and nobody knew about it. Uh, my question is, is, does this facility, uh, have some type of uh, contract with the with Commonwealth of Massachusetts to uh, put uh, uh, sex offenders in this uh, building in, in such a neighborhood where there's, uh, it, it's also a, a nursing home uh, and rehab. I mean, uh, how would you like to be uh, you know going there visiting your mother or father and uh, with, with your children and, and knowing uh, this is the, the, the element that's in there? Uh, I'm a little shocked at, at the company for even you know, bringing them in there uh, in, in, into uh, a senior nursing home. So, like I say, uh, I, I am shocked, and and it make it even worse, this is across the street from uh, a group home that had one of their residents uh, assault a senior citizen in our community. Uh, so again, uh, uh, you know, I think the communication is, is going to uh, increase again. Uh, I don't think anybody in this community should have found out through this through an online newspaper. We should have been uh, either the police should have, maybe the police didn't even know that they they were being placed. I don't I don't know what the process is, but um, I, I hope that uh, something will be done, uh, even with the two other people that are in there, uh, so so they're not a burden in our community. So thank you.
2: Thank you, Vice President Carviello. Councilor Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. And I thank uh, Vice President Carriello for bringing this forward. Um, I found out in a similar manner as I think everyone in the rest of the community did because there's not um, uh, a great system for this, as, as I understand when it comes to uh, these types of living facilities. So um, I think to Vice President Carabiello's point, I think what is so uh, scary about this essentially is what makes one of the things that makes these level three sex offenders that level is that they have a high risk of reoffending and pose a high degree of danger to the public. Um, than the other levels and then of course uh, everyone in general so I think that's what's greatly concerning about this I do understand there's a lot of uh, legality around this and what um, powers we have as a city so I think there'll be questions and I see uh, the chief of staff has his hand raised but I would like to put a motion forward that uh, we include on our school's website and also the city website um, a link to the uh, sex offender registry so that even if this information isn't getting dispersed out um, for whatever legal reasons right now around the, the nursing home and care facilities uh, that people can easily get to these links and look up um, <clears throat> the information the sex offenders in their area because the information is there it's just not getting delivered to us um, because of this type of facility as i understand so i'd like to put that in the form of a motion well
0: uh, uh, Councilor Morrell, would that be an amendment to the main motion offered by Vice I'm President? I'm
2: sorry, uh, yes, an uh, amendment,
0: yes. Okay, no problem. Uh, thank you. Uh, so on the motion by Vice President Caviello as amended by Councilor Morrell. Yeah, one minute please. And seconded by. Second. Councilor Scarpelli. We have Councilor Beers, and then we have the Chief of Staff. Councilor Beers.
1: Thank you, Mr. President. I uh, also want to thank uh, Vice President Caraviello for putting this on the agenda. I didn't know that. Um, So obviously it's disturbing that we had this case and that we found out in the news um, and that it hits so close to home. I really do think we need better procedures for notification and and thank you, Councilor Morrell, for for that amendment. Um, And I know that we do have some limits from the state, but I'd like to see us at least figure out what our policy is. So I'd also like to put an amendment to the paper that we get a summary from the city administration on any current policies around notification uh, to the community for level three sex offenders um, so that we can at least know what the city's plan is going forward uh, if this is to happen in the future. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Council of Bears. Council of and I'm the chief of staff. Uh, thank, uh,
1: uh, I know that uh,
9: my comments were similar to my colleagues, but I think honestly, is having an open uh, dialogue so people can see all of our sex, registered sex offenders, not just level three. I think it's important that uh, if we have um, people that can do something this sickening and dangerous, that um, their next-door neighbors need to be informed. And I thank Councillor Carviello for bringing this forward. I think this is—he's uh, right. It's 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 terrible that we found out this way and um you know as a as a former teacher I think that's a great point that Council Morale put forward in putting this on the websites I think that uh, parents can go to that any time and and get it updated so we can you know protect our our kids and I appreciate that so thank you
0: thank you thank uh, you councillor Scott Vice President Caviello
9: thank you Mr. President. Mr. President I'd like to amend the paper further
4: if, if we can get um uh something from the nursing from the facility itself uh what their uh, their policies your procedures are uh, in, in, uh, in taking uh, people in. And uh, I'd also like to know, I'm curious to know if uh, the families of the residents that are already in that nursing home have even been notified uh, at, at, uh, of, of this. So if I, if I can make that in the form of a motion.
0: Thank you, uh, Vice President Caviello. So let's see, we have on the motion of Vice President Caviello. Seconded by Councilor Scarpelli, as amended by Councilor Morel, Councilor Beers, and Vice President Carabiello twice. Chief of staff, Dave Rodriguez. I can't unmute him, Do you, can you unmute
11: uh, Dave? Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for Vice President Carabiello bringing the matter forward. Uh, the letter that uh, Vice President Carabiello mentioned was uh, sent by the mayor this afternoon to Secretary Tom Turco of, executive office of public safety and security, as well as the members of the sex offender registry board. Um, she, was, she was horrified by what, by what had happened. And she's, she's requesting that, that uh, EOPS and SOAR both we'll take a look at the regulations underlying how multiple high level sex offenders were able to cohabitate within a single place uh, within the city. Um, it was our understanding that there were three, le- up until this afternoon, there were three level threes and one level two sex offender that were housed at this one facility. Um, Lieutenant Cav- Covino <coughs> of the uh, Effort Police has been in con- contact with the owners and the administrators at the facility. Um, however, the law isn't on our side for as a community trying to regulate these, these things. So we did speak with them, create pressure on them. Um, mr chapman who is the individual who was referencing the news story that kind of brought light to this issue um, it's our understanding that this afternoon he was transferred out of that facility permanently and he will not be returning um, so while we're heartened by that particular detail um, more needs to be done at the state level from a regulatory fashion in order to address how this happened in the first place these individuals should not be allowed to cohabitate in the same place uh in such close proximity uh to, to individuals who are affected by their, by their actions the mayor sent that letter this afternoon, we'll make that that copy available to everyone as well.
10: Thank you. Councilor Knight. Yes, Mr. President, now this is the same facility that when COVID-19 broke out, we had an inordinate number of deaths at, correct?
11: I don't know if they, this was was one of the facilities, unfortunately, the long-term care facilities were hit pretty hard across the board. This was the one facility that we had a tougher time getting information out of. Um, the folks at Courtyard and some of the other folks were, were more receptive to our help and providing information to us. Uh, these individuals were less so. Who, um, who so that is the same facility? Who runs Courtyard? Is that Genesis help Is that I don't think it's Genesis Health. It's, it's a different organization. I know that it's run out of New York. Definitely, um, but we can we can get you the information about who, who could, exactly
4: owns it. Just because it seems Genesis, a, Genesis a, owns Courtyard in
10: Glen Ridge. Okay, so it doesn't. Yeah, they own both of them. Yeah. So, so it seems to me like you know we have a, a, a this facility in our community that's designed to to help people when they're when they're sick, and uh, they're not paying too much attention to that. And actually, they're putting our community in danger at this point. They're not paying attention to the COVID nineteen guidelines, and now they're uh, housing you know an inordinate number of sex offenders here in our community. It seems to me like um, we might want to do a little bit of a review to see if this is someone that we want to be. Uh, Doing business within this community, and whether or not we want to still see them as a permanent entity here in Metro. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Any
0: other questions, comments? Councilor Marks.
10: Uh, Thank you, Mr.
5: President. I appreciate Councilor Caviello uh, for putting this on the agenda. I I I do have uh, a number of questions, and I'm not sure if it's appropriate tonight. uh, But uh, it's my understanding level three sex offenders have to register with the local police department. Uh, Has that happened? Is there a loophole for long-term facilities? Is that not a requirement if someone is a level two or three sex offender? And uh, are they required to report? That's state statute that requires the reporting, Um, and it's an offense not to report. Um, So I was just wondering if that took place or if there's a loophole within the statute
11: that doesn't require it for these type of facilities. Uh, while i understand that there is a statute in place that's 100 percent correct um lieutenant covino and the rest of the pd have been dealing with this, the sex offender issues so i'll defer to them on, on more of the details i do know that there is all there's historically been a delay um in reporting so as sex offenders report to sorb report to the cities there's a bit of a lag in those things and especially with transient populations like this it can be hard to keep up with them um so it's it's always it's. It's a bit tough, but I'll defer to the to the folks, uh, especially Lieutenant Convenio, who's been working really hard on this, um, to to provide some more details on the nuances of that process. But I do know there are delays in place.
5: Right. So, so if that's the case, Mr. President, as was stated earlier, that uh, the state statute also requires that. Uh, these level sex offenders not only report, but be a certain distance away from schools and churches and parks and uh, a number of items, Mr. President. I don't have it in front of me, but I know it spells out a number of items. And uh, who uh, is the responsibility to oversee that? Is it our police department to make sure that, um, because you can go on the website and see where uh, level two and level three sex offenders are within your community currently and uh, there are pretty stringent requirements also that um, as long as they report Mr. President you you really uh, you know you're not supposed to harass uh, you know do do anything against these uh, offenders as well so they they have uh, you know protections as well However, if they're in violation of state statute because they're too close to an area where they're prohibited to be, that's a, that's a major concern of, of us as a community. And I think one that, um, as uh, Mr. Rodriguez, the Chief of Staff, mentioned, if there is a lag, we got to figure out uh, why is there a lag and so forth. I put on the agenda a while back, and I'm hoping we have a community of the whole. I know we've had a lot, Mr. President. Um, but. Uh, I asked for a public safety summit regarding the incident that Councilor Caviello mentioned about a senior citizen in this community that was uh, assaulted by someone from a group home uh, within the city of Mefford, and it it turned out actually uh, to be uh, uh, better than expected because of this senior's ability to get out of the home and and find uh, safety, but it could have been a very dangerous, dangerous situation. Mr. President, and I asked for a public safety summit and maybe uh, this is another issue that we can put on that agenda uh, and discuss uh, these particular concerns that we have in the community.
0: Thank you, Councilor Marks. Thank you. Okay. Uh, any of the Councils, any more questions, comments from the Council? Okay. Seeing and hearing none, I believe we have a couple of people that want to have their hands up. Um, Does anyone anyone want to speak that is on the call? Does anyone have their hand up? I don't see any hands up on the... Melanie, did you want to speak? Okay. I can't unmute. Yes, I'm
12: unmuted. Thank you. Thank you. Name Uh, name and
0: address for the record, please. Melanie
12: McLaughlin, uh, Alston Street, Medford, Moss. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to speak. I want to thank um, Councilor Caraviello and um, Councilor Morrell and Bears and Scarpelli for bringing this matter forward. Um, uh, Some of you may know that this is very personal uh, to me. I was the childhood friend of Andy Puglisi who disappeared from Lawrence, Massachusetts on August 21st, 1976. Um, Wayne Chapman was convicted of uh, raping two of my childhood friends from the same pool where Andy disappeared a year prior. Um, Chapman was arrested uh, just 10 days after Andy vanished um, and was identified by several people as being at the pool of the day that Andy disappeared. Um, this has been a community trauma and a childhood trauma that we have all lived with for um, the past 45 years frankly. Um, it was shocking to learn that this uh, individual who I had been frankly researching and know far too much about for the past 20 years um, had actually you know, been moved into a facility less than a quarter of a mile away from my home. Sometimes life is stranger than fiction. Um, and uh, I really appreciate the chief and other folks who um, who reached out and acted quickly, the mayor for the letter that she wrote to the executive office of um, public safety and to um, Ton Turco who also has been involved in this story for a long time. Mass State Police have known this story for a long time. It, it goes way back. Um, and this was and is a very dangerous person that was in our, uh, our, our nursing home around the corner. Uh, and as you have said, there were are two, two other level threes and one other level two that are placed in this facility um and as uh, uh counselor caraviello or um, counselor marks mentioned there are very strict laws and counselor knight mentioned there are very strict laws around um level, level three sex offenders there are communities that tried to set some parameters and were overruled by the massachusetts supreme judicial court um one of the things that i would really encourage is for community members to um uh, let their local police know if they see uh, violations of level threes, but indeed, you have to know who the level threes are and level twos are uh, for that matter to, to be able to report anything to the police. So it's very important that folks do go onto the sex offender registry and look at who in the community is a level, um, is, a, is a registered sex offender. To be a registered sex offender, you do have to be among the most dangerous, um, ruled by the Department of Corrections and by community members. So these are the most dangerous and the most likely to re offend. Um, And while I do understand that they also have rights, um, there are ways in which that uh, the community can be notified like the uh, website on the city, uh, uh, the link to uh, SORB, the Sex Offender Registry Board on the city and school websites and potentially uh, photographs of uh, individuals like you see at city hall um, in some of the public buildings that are also options here the one thing about the facility i do want to say is that there are a few facilities that agree to take level three sex offenders for a number of reasons Uh, so when they do find facilities that are willing to take them um, they're often uh, lumped together uh, in that scenario so that you do have clusters of individuals Um, and so i think it's very valid to ask you know you know who the ownership of this uh, facility is and what their um requirements are around, um, you know, uh, uh, level three and level two sex offenders in the facility. So again, I would appreciate that. And I just, I also just want to say from, you know, a sentiment, if I, if I can be sentimental, um, how much I appreciate, <clears throat> excuse me, the community standing up in this matter. Uh, it, it really does still affect <clears throat> the entire community that lost Andy 45 years ago. So um, very much appreciate you folks standing up in this matter, thank you.
0: Thank you, Mellie. Uh, any other questions or comments from the council? Would anybody else like to speak on the issue? Okay. Okay, so on the motion of Vice President Carviello, as amended by Councilor Morrell, Council of Beers, Vice President Carviello, and Vice President Carviello again. Clerk, please call the roll. Actually, in seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. yes please
3: Councilor bears yes vice president carabiello yes Councilor knight yes council marks yes council Morel. yes council scarpelli. Yes. scarpelli yes president falco
0: yes seven the affirmative zero the negative the motion passes two zero six four six offered by council Morel. be it resolved that the memphis city council receive an update from the administration on prior, on progress on initiatives laid out and the city's social justice roadmap, including but not limited to review of police policies, the Medford Snap Gap study, and the proposed ongoing community conversations on racism. Councilor Morel.
2: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I want to thank the mayor and her whole team for their work on pulling together and highlighting what Medford's done already um, in regards to much needed work on social justice as well as plans for real change um, within the city to begin to address a long history of systemic racism, which is not unique to Medford, um, but unique in the fact that this has been acknowledged by both the mayor um, and this very body. So this roadmap lays out a number of goals, and I just think it would be beneficial for the council. um, And of course, the residents of Medford to get an update on some of the progress uh, towards the goals outlined in the report. Um, I do want to note that shortly after submitting this item, I did get in the mail an update on that uh, SNAP gap study, which is a reference, and I just want to um, highlight something from that. So this was completed by the Medford Food Security Task Force, and so for those who don't know, um, the SNAP gap refers to the difference between the number of low-income Mass residents receiving Mass Health who may be eligible for SNAP and those who are actually registered for SNAP, and. The gap between those two numbers um, is 46% at the state level, and it's been found to be 63% at the city level. So I just want to note that because this is a number that's always crucial, but as the pandemic rages on and ravages people's livelihoods with no federal aid at this point, um, it's a particular problem at this time. So I really thank the food security task force uh, for their work on this and the whole report is on the city website at this point, um, which I think is just really helpful for people to know how this is being tackled um, with regards to the social justice roadmap but just in general is this por- um, this work is always important um, and, and ongoing um, so touching on just dis- additional specific issues about um, again i think the mayor and the chief of police for their openness and willingness for policy reviews um, as laid out by the roadmap but i do want to highlight that um, the mayor did sign on to the reimagine policing pledge back in june and i know obviously it's a very busy time Um, so this is almost six months ago and one key tenant of this pledge, um, which was formed to drive communities, um, it was formed to drive communities. Um, and I quote, to engage in a public review of its policing policies and result in potential reform. So I think I just want to note the public aspect of this as it's important to get an update for residents as far as um, where we are in this process. And, um, also, again, I just want to thank the administration once more for starting what was labeled as being a. Series of community conversations on race in the city and that first one was held in june and again almost six months later um, we haven't had another uh, forum on that so it would be great to get an update on that and again i do acutely understand the challenges of a lot of this work as the pandemic continues on um, but racism continues on within the pandemic really as by poc um, individuals overall have anywhere from a 1.1 to a 2.8 times higher rate of COVID cases. Um, And also black Americans are dying at a rate 2.1 times higher than white Americans um, from COVID. So this is just important work that it goes hand in hand with the pandemic. I understand the challenges there. Um, I would also like to add an um, amendment to this just to see if we can also get a report out on the uh, civil right, just the sheer number of civil right complaints that have come in. the mayor uh, did a great job in establishing this separate kind of uh submission way for uh, complaints to the police specifically about civil rights and i think it would be helpful as this council continues conversations um on addressing systemic racism just to get some of the data back uh so just again looking for an update and i I thank the administration for their work um and and putting together this roadmap and outlining some goals within it
0: thank you council
2: merle council appears
1: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Thank you, Councilor Morrell for putting this forward. I think the social justice roadmap is an interesting and helpful summary of the work that has been uh, going on. Um, And I think it puts us ahead of a lot of communities, which I think is a good thing, uh, that we are really taking a city-wide and city government-wide look at the issues of racism and discrimination and uh, and civil rights and social justice. Um, But I agree with Councilor Morrell, I do think um, an understanding of how the roadmap will be updated uh, for transparency sake, for follow through for the public process that a lot of these items will require uh, is gonna be really helpful for everyone in the city. Um, And I also, you know, I think I make this point a lot, but between this item and some of the other things we've discussed tonight, I think it really, shows how deeply under resourced we are as a community and i know i've been harping on this and we'll continue to do so but we do not have enough to do the basics never mind everything that we need to do and i continue uh, and will continue to push um, all of us to think about ways that we can increase the resources for our city government here in medford Um, it's long overdue i think we've been in crisis for a long time i've Felt that way ever since I was a kid living in this community. Um, we are deeply under resourced, and this is just one of the many, many examples of not having what we need to follow through on what the people of Medford deserve. Thank you, Mr. President.
0: Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Any of questions or comments from the council? No okay. Uh, any other, No hands up in the gallery. Okay. So on the motion of the
2: President. Councilman. Uh, Jackie Peaks has her hand up. Oh, I'm sorry. Jackie Peaks.
10: Mr. President, if I may.
2: I,
0: uh, we have Council Knight first and then we're going to unmute Jackie Peaks. Um, council Knight.
10: It's also so often that this council requests updates from the administration and the updates from the administration come in the form of someone appearing before the council, which is all well and good. I don't think any of us have a problem with that, um, but there's also the black and white response on a piece of paper which is very nice to have as well, Mr. President, because if we're asking for updates on certain (coughs) programs or measurables, um, we have it in writing and then we can look at the old update and the new update and see how far we've come. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that's been lacking. So moving forward, I think it will be very important for us when we ask for updates from the administration that we get those updates in writing. Uh, first and foremost if the administration wants to come and appear before the council and um, and be on the, on the big screen here that's that's okay too but uh, I think that getting it in writing is probably more important than anything else at this point mr. president so that we can have a file on a topic as opposed to going back and watching old meetings when was that meeting again oh let's go back how many minutes into it was it oh, was it was 17 minutes and 22 seconds okay hit start, let's see where we were from the last time we were here versus the update that we can have in writing and put in the file so I think that's very uh, important mr. president moving forward that uh make that Request that the administration um, provide updates to the council in that fashion. Is that
0: an amendment? Or Th- is is Council Knight, is that an amendment? To uh, the we'll p-
10: make it a B paper.
0: We'll make it a B paper, okay. Do you have that, uh,
3: <laughs> Clerk Herdebees? Give me a promotion. Uh, <coughs> uh, council Knight wants amendments from the administration in writing going forward, and it's a B paper?
0: Correct. So on the motion by Council Knight, we'll take the B paper first. <coughs> on the motion by Council Knight, seconded by Council Scarpelli, Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Actually, I apologize. Councilor Morrell, you was, I think you were up next.
2: Oh, I was just highlighting that uh, Jackie had her hand raised. Okay.
13: Jackie's unmuted. Jackie, uh, you're up next. Okay, thank you, uh, President Falco. Um, I absolutely um, uh, intend to provide a more inclusive update and Ryan, we can get that to you. I just wanted to give a quick update, particularly on um, some of the things that Councilor Morrell had highlighted. Those are actually on my list as well. Um, the SNAPGAP report that Councilor Morrell brought up is linked on the website. It has been added to uh, the roadmap itself, as have a couple of other updates in the last couple of weeks in particular. Um, one thing I did want to note for the SNAP- Gap piece in particular, is that um, the Food Security Task Force has been giving updates. They just recently presented to the school committee um, and we're actually, the mayor's in the process of um, hosting and hiring for a dedicated individual who we'll work with folks who um, qualify for resources and supports but may not know how to go through the application process or to access those. Um, so we're in the process of getting somebody on board who can specifically work with members of the community um, who qualify for resources to help to close that gap and make sure that it's not just, um, you know, that everyone has an understanding of how they can um, access that. So that's in process and has been for um, a little bit. Um, with regard to the, um, the review of policing. Um, it's my understanding that the police department is still working directly with the Human Rights Commission on um, review of their policies that they have for um, you know months and years uh, before we had this specific roadmap laid out. Um, so, any you know, obviously, members of the public uh, can attend the Human Rights Commission's meeting, um, but I'll get a specific follow-up on where that stands um i did want to just quickly highlight another update that's in the report um is that the police department did just submit last month um a pretty significant application to help support phase one of uh, body cameras um don't have any word yet on whether we've received that application uh, that award excuse me but that um we're moving forward on that as well um and then with the community conversation um we definitely have um meetings in the works one of the things that we're working on specifically is um, with relation to the MVP grant that the Office of Community Development and the Board of Health and um, other folks internally as well as external partners are working on Um, and the action steps that were identified out of that report really focused on the need for expanded resources and communications with um, persons who speak languages other than English So what we're doing is they're in the process of hiring some community liaisons in other languages and we're going to be working through that um, and working with those community liaisons to actually have um, a series of smaller meetings in other languages to really you know really get people um, established with us to move forward on some of these larger goals and and really bring people in um, in a a targeted way so we had a meeting earlier Excuse me, late last week, so we hope to have some um, information on that very soon. But it is moving forward, we can report on that um, more specifically. Um, and then there are, you know, a number of other things, and I will make sure that we get them out to you in writing. But I wanted to just touch on the points that um, Councilor Morrell highlighted specifically. Thank you, thank you, Jackie.
10: Thank you, Jackie.
0: Thank, thank you, Jackie. You're welcome. Okay, on the B paper offered by Councilor Knight, the second by Councilor Scarpelli. On that motion, Clerk Herneby, please call the roll.
3: Councilor yes. Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Oh, the yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor yes. Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes, seven of the affirmative zero, then I get the motion passes. On the May paper offered by Councilor Morrell as amended by Councilor Morrell. Uh, in seconded by. Second. Council Scarpelli, Clark Hardabies, blue color
3: Council Bears. Yep. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morel. Yes. Council
0: Scarpelli. Yes.
3: Councilor Scarpelli. yes. yes. President Falco.
0: Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Reports of committees 20 576 on November 17th. 2020, the Transportation Subcommittee uh, met. Councilor Scarpa, would you like to tell us a little about that meeting on the <laughs> 17th of November, since you are the chairperson?
9: I will, Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Um, pre- uh, President Councilor Marks and Councilor Morrell, um, the, it was a deep conversation and the understanding of the process of the DOT moving forward with an aggressive plan for a uh, resolution for the main street, South Street intersection as it was named one of the top 200 most dangerous intersections in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, we learned uh, the process that we're seeing that uh, the first phase of uh, collecting data and moving through that to its completion, which is hopefully a light system, you're looking between three to five years. Uh, we've also met with our uh, Community leaders here in the city, traffic engineer, um, traffic. uh, 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 I believe, I I don't believe uh, we had representation from uh, Method method Traffic, and I don't think they were invited, but um, we're looking for immediate um, calming measures, uh, traffic calming measures, um, low cost traffic calming measures that could be implemented. ASAP and we'll be holding um, another meeting relatively soon to get an update to see what we can move forward with the uh, parties involved. So thank you. Thank you. On the
0: motion of Councilor Scott Pelley. Mr. President. On the motion of Cons- Councilor Scott Pelley, seconded by Council Knight, Councilor Knox. Uh,
5: th- thank you, Mr. President. You. And uh, I just want to say that was a very fruitful meeting and I want to thank uh, Chairman Scott Pelley for calling that meeting. Uh, after all these years, Mr. President, of this council, uh, uh, you know, barking about the dangerousness of that particular intersection, we have a lot of them around the community. But that one in particular, Southern Maine, Mr. President, uh, it was very pleasing to hear from the project manager from DOT, uh, Mike uh, Trepanier, um, who, from what I hear, is a very capable person. And uh, when he's in charge of something, it gets done. So uh, I was very pleased to hear that he is responsible for moving this project forward he mentioned it's the intersection program that's part of a federal funded program where design dollars come from mass dot and construction funding comes from uh, mass dot as well and uh, as counselor uh, Scott probably mentioned uh, this uh, they're looking at uh, a three to five year potential program and um, we asked on multiple occasions the three committee members that uh, we were looking for some immediate resolve to some of the concerns that have been mentioned by this council regarding race crosswalks additional signage uh you know a, a traffic light at that particular intersection uh, some low-lying fruit for temporary uh, public safety concern and and from what we heard from the city engine regarding some of those minor improvements, temporary improvements. So I'm very pleased to hear that as well. Um, And um, one thing I did find uh, interesting is um, over the years, we've always been told that the intersection of Maine and South was uh, under state control. And when the gentleman from DOT mentioned that uh, this is kind of outside their boundary, I questioned them and said, What do you mean, this is your road? And uh, come to find out, uh, someone from the state made an additional call to um, um, District 4. And District 4 said there's some cross-sectional lines in that particular location. So it's not clear cut that it's state versus city. And I think some of that, uh, according to my conversation with the traffic engineer, I think still needs to be ironed out. But I was very pleased to hear that. DOT is going to look at this uh, as a a total approach. They're not looking at that intersection as they mentioned uh, all along. They're looking at from Salem Street all the way down to High Street uh, going towards Main Street. And the signalization, the whole length, uh, which makes sense, Mr. President. And I also want to thank our city clerk. Uh, If you want to read uh, the minutes that were put out by the city clerk, it's really like you attended the meeting. It's amazing, Mr. Very President, detailed. It, extremely detailed. And it's extremely the reason why I bring it up is not to give accolades to the city clerk. These are the records that will go by the minutes someday when in a year from now, when they say we didn't say this or that, we're going to have it in writing, Mr. President, Correct. the commitments that were made uh, during that particular meeting. And I think it's going to go a long way. So I want to thank Chairman Scott Council Morrell that was on the call that asked a number of good questions and the city clerk, Mr. President, for his detailed notes on the meeting.
0: Thank you, Councilor Marks. Clerk Hernevis. Can I address President, uh, Councilor Marks for just a second?
3: One more. <laughs> I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. It was, I'm trying to reflect the work that the committee did. Uh, you know, it has to be accurate, but you know, three things. One, former highway division chief of staff. Two, former chief of staff and three, uh, transportation geek.
0: So, <laughs> well, we, we we
5: got so. three three in a row.
3: Three. <laughs> yeah. Thanks.
0: Good job. Thank you, Three for five. one. Uh, I
9: it, it would I'm apologize. I it, it missed to leave these names. I think our state delegates, being present at these meetings, are very very important and vital. And I know Representative Donato again stepped up, shared his input, and also assured us that he is leading the way with this these initiatives. So. I just appreciate his leadership, and we are very lucky in this community to have a leader like Representative Donato uh, moving forward with this initiative. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, Councillor Scarpelli. So, on, we'll on the motion of uh, Councillor Scarpelli, seconded by Councillor Knight, this is on the uh, committee report. Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll.
3: Councillor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caraviello. Yes. Councillor Knight. Yes. Councillor Marks. Yes. Councillor Morel. Yes, Councilor Scarpelli. Yes, President Falco.
0: Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. 20 568, November 18th, 2020. We had a committee the whole report. The purpose of the meeting was to discuss the city of Medford's existing ordinance with the uh, zoning consultant Mark Bobrowski. We, this is I think maybe our third or fourth meeting, and uh. This meeting uh, was basically, uh, we talked about the use table and the, the current use table that we have here in the city. And we compared it to, um, uh, we actually talk, he compared it a lot to use tables in Haverhill and Rivera, which are similar sized cities. Uh, we, On the motion of Council Knight for approval. Say second,
1: second.
0: Council Scott Pelley, Clerk Kurtibis, please call the roll. <laughs>
3: Councilor Bears? Yes. Vice President Carviello? Yes. Councilor Knight? Yes. Councilor Marks? Yes. Councilor Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco?
0: Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion pa- passes. Public participation. Council, uh, City Clerk, I uh, heard of you. Do you have any emails? I do not. I don't see any hands raised here, so we'll say that is none. Uh, we have records. We have records of the. Uh,
3: Okay,
0: we, we have? It's in the yeah, clerk. Okay, clerk. on
1: the motion.
0: <laughs> Hang on. On the motion of Council Scarpelli to take papers in the hands of the clerk. <laughs> Councillor Knight. Clerk Herdebyes, please call the roll.
3: Councillor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiella. Yes. Councillor Knight. Yes. Councillor Marks. Yes. Councillor Morel. Yes. Councillor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero and the negative. The motion passes. Carterby's uh, could you please read the paper?
3: Yeah, which which paper would you like, Vice President Kerville? Uh, uh, oh yeah, hang on a second. I have to find it. My apologies. I got it. I got it. Do you want me to read it out, Mr. President? Yes, please do so. Yeah. All right, two zero six four nine. Off two zero six four nine. Okay. Uh, let's see. 20649 offered under suspension by Vice President Carviello. Be it resolved that the Medford City Council have the Medford Police notify LA Trucking of Everett to find suitable parking arrangements for their tractor trailers. They are currently parking five tractor trailers on Commercial Street.
4: Thank you. Mr. President, um, the uh, reason I brought this up, uh, it was something we talked about a few weeks ago, but um, LA Trucking out of Everett is now parking five tractor trailers there, and these are big uh, big trailers that are pretty much taking up the whole street. And uh, the reason I bring it up this week is um, a local business from Medford um, lost their lot to park their truck. And they decided to park it on Commercial Street over the weekends. Well, lo and behold, when they came out on Monday uh, to pick up their truck on Monday, uh, 17 tires were, uh, were were cut. No, again, not saying that these guys did it, but again, uh, uh, the gentleman parked in the spot that they normally park, in and uh, they cut all, and uh, somebody cut all those tires. Uh, and it cost them the cost of the, the, the person about 7000 dollars in truck tires. Again, uh, this, is not a, this is not a parking law for the city of Everett and businesses in Everett. There was only one truck there that was parked overnight with a flower to play, but all the other trucks are, are all Everett trucks. So again, it's, it's time to, uh, that uh, the police get them out of there, go back to where you're from. Don't don't uh, say bad enough we have you know the the overnight guys are parked there. But again, you're parking five trucks there. Time for them to go, Mr. President.
0: Thank you, Vice President Carviello. We have If you could send
4: uh, that if we could send that to the police chief also. Okay.
0: On the motion of Council uh, Vice President caviello seconded by Councillor Knight, Clerk Curtis, please call the roll.
3: Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello? Yes. Councillor Knight. Councilor Marks.
0: Yes.
3: Councilor Morel? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes, seven the affirmative, zero and the negative. The motion passes. Is there another is there another papers in advance? That's it. A, that's a, no more papers. <laughs> records. The records of the meeting of November 17, thousand twenty were passed to Councilor Morrell. Council Morel, how did you find those records? I found them to be in order and move approval. Yeah, the motion of Councilor Morell to approve those records, seconded by Councilor Knight. Clerk, please call the roll.
3: Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caraviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes. Send the affirmative, 0 in the negative. The motion passes. Before we adjourn the meeting tonight, uh, on behalf of uh, the Memphis City Council, I'd like to wish everyone a very happy and healthy uh, Thanksgiving. And at this
4: point, I recognize Vice President Caviola. Thank you, Mr. President. This is not a, uh, I thank you for the happy Thanksgiving to the community. But, uh, Mr. President, um, would it be possible to have the administration have the uh, the cleaning crew come in here and clean this room? I mean, it hasn't. Been, it looks like it hasn't been vacuumed in months. Uh, uh, the the
0: I trash mean, can is quite full. Back. Trash back. can is full. Uh, the gosh.
4: papers over there. Papers over there. I mean, City Council Chambers is, is starting to look like a storeroom. Uh, but if we could at least have somebody come in and vacuum the floor, we'll be, and empty the barrels. We greatly appreciate it.
0: We will see what Thank we can you. do on that. I mean, someone, I, I wouldn't mind, but I believe there's a contract cleaner that cleans the building, right?
3: I'll, I'll make. I'll, I'll, I'll speak Is with there Mr. Rodriguez.
0: Someone's always in there. <laughs> I'll,
3: I'll speak with Mr. Rodriguez.
0: Thank you, Councilor Marks. Thank you, Vice President caviello Councilor Marks. B- Mr. President, and
5: to, uh the the one thing you can count on this time of year right around the holidays, especially Thanksgiving, is uh, the generosity in the community. And uh, one person that stands out, uh, and I don't want to put him on the spot, but Councilor Caviello, every year, Mr. President, this isn't Johnny come lately. He's been doing this for years and years and years. And he's the first to stand out there and help local families, Mr. President. Those that may not even ask for help, he is the first to get out there and dedicate himself, uh, Mr. President, and put up his own, Mr. President, his own resources um, on many occasions. And I just want to personally thank him on behalf of the many people in this community.
4: Absolutely. Thank you, Councilor Again, it's something I've been doing uh, since uh, the day you got elected. Uh, I made a commitment to do it, and I do it every year. Do it. I do it Thanksgiving. I do it at Christmas. Uh, uh, we do the. Uh, I help out with the veterans. Uh, for many years, I was doing the veterans out of my own pocket until uh, Don Marcelino stepped in uh, and, and started getting donations from the from the veterans group. Uh, but I say I've done St. Ray, St. Francis, and many other churches, and you know, and just general people who reach out to me and need some help. I'm glad to help. And again, um, I I would hope that you know, that. Uh, other members of the community and council, maybe do it. Christmas time is coming up. Uh, if you want to adopt a family, let me know. I'll get you a family to adopt. Uh, but you know, there's uh, there's always families in need in this community. More more need than you think. But like I say the holidays are coming up. Christmas, take some time. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I not a lot of money to buy a bag of food for uh, for a family at, at the holiday time. So so everyone gets to enjoy the holiday. So th- thank you, Councilor Marks.
0: Thank you, Vice President Carviello, you. for your uh, commitment to the community. Thank you. Uh, we're all set, right? Yep. Okay, on the motion of Councilor Knight. Second. To adjourn the meeting, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll.
3: Councilor yes. Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morel. Council yes. yes. Councilor yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco.
0: Yes, seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you, good night, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Be well and be healthy.